Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Top Docs Radio, brought to you by Medical Association of Georgia. With over 7,800 physician members, MAG is pleased to advocate on behalf of Georgia's patients and physicians. Visit mag.org and on Twitter at mag1849. Join the conversation on Twitter at Top Docs on BRX. What is up, everyone? It is CW, your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. We are continuing on with our series with Medical Association of Georgia, and we've covered a lot of topics around the the course of the last year, looking heavily at things like uh, the the new incentive based and and performance based reimbursement programs, how to implement those things to think about. Uh, I've gotten into ICD ten a number of practice-related back-office type functions and, and the way regulations of different types are going to affect your practice. But today, we're going to be taking a little bit of a different look uh, that will help our medical colleagues out there in the community to be able to know what they're dealing with when it comes time to plan for building a new space, maybe renovating some space. Architectural interiors for medical practice space is changing with new technology, medical developments, and more complex patient needs. The integrated medical professional work patterns and the rising cost of construction, of course, new lighting and finished selections based on health and environmental regulations and more. Trying to balance the rising cost of construction and the needs within medical spaces can be challenging. And it's critical for the design professional to work hand in hand with the physician and practice staff and employ good communication and listening skills. And that's why we have with us today in the studio, Louise Labus. She's a senior associate with Collins Cooper Carusi Architects Incorporated. And that's what they spend their time focusing on is developing property design for heavily in the medical space of a variety of different types. So thanks for taking some time to talk about this process and give our listeners a little bit of an idea of how to go about this more efficiently. Thank you. <laughs> well, talk a little bit about your background before we get started too deeply into this. How did you end up doing this kind of work? I have been doing this work because of a passion. My husband's in medical. There's a lot of challenges in the medical uh, design side of things that I find very interesting, especially on the side of not only the patient, but the staff and the providers. And through doing that, you have to analyze a lot of different uh, data to make it very functional for them. And a lot of the things that are used um, in the practices uh, are ever-changing because of technology. Mm -hmm. So you have different computer changes, different filing system changes, billings, different things like that. And all of that, you try to create spaces that are flexible to adapt to that and to provide each of the three people that work in these spaces a, a very functional, comfortable, efficient space. You've been doing this kind of work for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So obviously very early on, you knew this is something that you had an interest in. How did it manifest when you were, when you, was it starting when you were young? Were you, did you find yourself drawing and, and getting into actually designing space? How, how did that come about? Um, actually, it did start pretty young. I have a very craft oriented family um, from the get go. 
great grandmother, grandmother, um, and then getting into drawing and design and creating things was probably seventh, eighth grade. Yeah. Um, and then I also enjoyed the business side of things. So I did uh, start college in business versus uh, design, but shifted over very quickly because uh, it's a passion and I wanted to enjoy uh, what I do. So, so when you be- began to do architectural design, were you always focused heavily in the medical space or did that begin to kind of take a little bit more of attack when, when you and your, your husband got together, you said he was from the medical field. Yes. It actually started, uh, I wanted to start off in design and kind of find a broad, uh, range of design to do. So I worked for a university, um, the university was a very large university, uh, Michigan State, and it had the largest dormitory system in the country, as well as um, all of the administrative support spaces, residence halls, dining halls. So it gave me a very broad understanding of all the different types of design uh, to then allow me to focus on what I liked and So when you're starting off in design, I think you want to kind of experience all the different sides of design and then gravitate towards what really drives you. And with my husband uh, being on the medical side and taking care of special patients, he's in spine. um, I also saw the ADA side of things. Um, We have great friends who are paraplegics, quadriplegics, and just having a sensitivity mm-hmm. to the needs of all of the different types of patients and care. I'm sure that gave you some very good perspective that you can bring with you when you're sitting down to begin to determine how to best utilize a space. And I'm curious, when it comes to designing for the healthcare space, you've been uh, in this industry for a little while now. And of course, as I was mentioning, when we started the show, uh, there's changes now in terms of the way the the reimbursement picture is being handled with regards to patient satisfaction, patient outcomes, different things like that. Are you starting to see some changes in terms of design elements uh, that that are go into a medical space now that are kind of reflecting some of those things a little bit more attention to the patient experience perhaps and and how they perceive a space? Yes, starting off uh, doing spaces, it was more. I call it clinical. In today's spaces, you want it more comfortable, uh, not as clinical. Make the patient uh, be more relaxed, be able to share what their issues are. Um, That's all a part of the space that you enter, um, how that feels, what the lighting's like, what the furnishings are like. Um, So as far as the patient, you know, um, aspect of it, that all has to do with aesthetics and comfort. But on the other side of it, the staff side and the provider side, you want to make sure that those spaces are very efficient for them, that they can do their job and not have to worry about the space per se, Mm -hmm. Uh, know where their tools are, know where to find them quickly so that they can focus on what the patient's saying and what that care is that the patient's needs are and can be met. And so it's all about communication versus the space. We're talking with Louise Labus, Senior Associate and Architect with Collins Cooper Carusi and Architects Incorporated. They're a firm that 
specializes in architectural design and have placed a great deal of emphasis on building out um, design for healthcare related care delivery spaces. And and when we're talking about the firm and the work that you do, you're, you're doing everything from full ground up design for a brand new building that's like a multi office building mm-hmm. to I guess office just build out and maybe I'm moving into a, a new office building that's already made and I need to design out my particular office space. And so you're handling all of those types of things. That's correct. Um, design encompasses everything from brand new space to taking existing space and recreating it. Um, the cost of recreating space is a little bit more because of the demolition. Mm. It takes a little bit more creativity and designing to try to save things for cost efficiencies. So there's a lot of factors that go into whether you take an existing space and recreate it or whether you take a new space and specifically build it out to your needs. I think it's got to be some interesting challenges that you have to deal with as a designer for how the space is going to be laid out in a medical space because there's all kinds of considerations from infection control type you know, efforts, whether that's airflow or different things like that, to equipment like you know, radioactive equipment, you know, or radio, you know, different diagnostic studies that have radio radioactive materials and different things. How does that come into play when you're trying to figure out the layout of a space to keep workflow good and to keep patient experience well and then same time deal with all of those hazardous things that you have to handle in the in the medical space? Well, medical spaces do have a lot of different components, a lot of um, components that I assess when meeting with a doctor, uh, getting their requirements, and all of that comes into the flow, how you take those special um, either chemicals or components, how they're stored, how the staff works with them, and making it most efficient to get to them, get them to a safe place after they're used. Um, All of that comes into play with the spatial relationships, storage relationships. Um, When it comes to drugs, there's different types of drugs that have to be stored and locked differently. Um, You have to evaluate who uses them and how they're used and when they're used to make them be located in in the appropriate space. it's not just, I guess, sticking things in wherever they fit, (laughs) (laughs) per se. It's uh, really looking at it. And the challenge comes if you're with an existing building um, is looking at those components that already exist and then bringing in these special type of um, either chemicals or equipment or other things and fitting them appropriately with the flow. How often do do you sit down with somebody and they don't really have an idea of what they want it to look like or anything like that, other than just they know the type of practice, obviously, that they have and looking for input from you from the aesthetic type of perspective, what it's going to look and feel like when it's finished? I start off by asking a lot of questions. Um, <clears throat> what do they want the experience to be for them and the staff? What do they want the experience to be for their patients? Every practice is very specialized. Um, They all like to, they work in similar ways as far as, you know, an OBGYN or a 
general practitioner, but yet each practice does have its own characteristics and how they flow and function with the staff. It also has to do, the aesthetic side of things really has to do with budgets. When it comes down to it, you have to look at how budget and durability kind of weigh out because for a long-term space that you're going to be in for many years, you want to put the appropriate materials in, but sometimes that drives the budget up. If those appropriate materials are in, then you kind of look at what is the budget and what can it handle and what, you know, what do we need to give on so that down the road, maybe different changes can be made. What are you seeing in, in terms of trying to make that space a little bit more patient-centered, a little more patient-centric? We talked about patient satisfaction coming into play on a bigger scale now with regards to reimbursement, for example, for my practice of the care I deliver. Are, are you seeing some trends in terms of addressing that sort of facet of my practice to make sure my patients, either from the waiting room, I, I, I would, I, it's interesting seeing, calling on doctor's offices as I did for a number of years, spent plenty of time in different waiting rooms and you can really see where there was some measure of thought put into what my experience is sitting in this waiting room versus not so much. I would imagine the waiting room is probably a big important space for what you're doing. The waiting room is a real important space. The waiting room is that first impression that uh, a patient gets. It has to do with the waiting room itself and the staff who are checking you in uh, in that space. <laughs> so you have to kind of think of the waiting room and the staff all as one and trying to make that experience be a great experience. I look at it with today, you have a broad range of patients uh, and ages that you're covering. So you have to be very cognizant of all of the people and in looking at that, you try to provide spaces within a waiting area if it's a large practice that can accommodate kind of a quiet zone for reading, uh, another area for work, because some people come in and they know that they're going to be waiting for just a little bit, but they want to get some work done. So counters, you know, banquettes, things like that have been introduced into some practices. Some people want to be educated. So you have a TV uh, with either information about the practice or just general TV that they can watch. So waiting rooms, sort of, I look at it as taking on more of a hospitality yeah. uh, type look. Are there, when it comes to technologies now, with so much emphasis just by the community at large with mobile technologies, laptops, my mobile device, that, and things like that, are those things technology elements coming into play now and how are they being incorporated into the work you're doing? Things like telephony or, you know, maybe it's Wi-Fi to be able to stream images, whatever they've got to be able to do to facilitate their practice. How is the tech side of things coming into play with what you're doing now versus when you were starting a few years ago? <laughs> the technology side has actually gotten easier from the cabling side of things because of the wireless uh, aspects. It's gotten more complicated in all of the different types of technology that can be used. So again, I try to research each practice and find out what kind of technology are they using, um, especially for the patients. Some rooms uh, use mobile computers when they go into patient rooms and 
take all the information by mobile. So there's nothing within the rooms. Other practices like to mount a monitor on a wall so that the doctor is doing everything right there with the patient and then can turn that monitor to the patient, kind of go over their information with them to make sure that they have it documented right and then provide the care that way. So, um, and then you also have staff, different uh, technology used by staff. Uh, Front desk has come a long way from, you know, the old big monitors to the nice uh, streamlined (laughs) monitors so they don't take up as much room, which helps you kind of consolidate those check-in stations now to be smaller. Um, But you still want each station when you check in to be private to you when you're checking in. So there's some screens and different things that you can do to help that. I know that the building environment obviously reclined, uh, declined for a period of time there until more recently coming back over the last two or three years here in our area and across the country. But in the healthcare space, what are you seeing with regards to new construction? Are hospitals building ambulatory surgery centers for their their, their services and, and different medical offices, build office buildings? I mean, is construction booming in the healthcare side of things now like, like it is in the rest of the, you know, commercial and residential areas? Healthcare stays um, pretty steady, Mm. even through recessions, because we all need to, you know, be seen and be taken care of for our health. I think that we're seeing more newer spaces, more newer hospitals, at least in this area, starting to come out of the ground and, and take care of the patients. Um, I know for a while we saw rural hospitals go away and kind of move more to the bigger cities. And now we're starting to see hospitals kind of move back out a little ways to take care of the people and not have to have them come into the the bigger cities and do quite the travel that they used to do. Mm, do you have a project over, over the last few years that you've worked on that you really felt, a you know, this was a really cool one that I got to be a part of? Working with North Atlanta Primary Care, um, which is a I've large been in their spaces. They're very nice. Do you all did those? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can test. I was like, wow, very nice. Yeah. That was um kind of a change to practices when we started that, as especially for the patient staff provider experience. Uh it was all about working with them and really getting their programming and kind of their vision into practice. And it evolved into where now they have many practices right. all based on that very thing about being patient centered and then also staff efficient and provider efficiencies. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely impressive spaces. No question about that. If you've not been to the North Atlanta primary care offices, then you'll certainly be pleased when you walk into one. The waiting rooms are spectacular. And then, of course, we did get the opportunity to speak with their physicians because we worked with them from time to time and, and their workspaces were obviously, you know, just as, just as nice and comfortable and welcoming as the waiting rooms themselves. So mm-hmm. hats off. <laughs> Thank you. I've gotten to experience your work firsthand. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when it comes to trying to determine what design firm I'm going to work with, I mean, do you have some recommendations for 
that healthcare executive or hospital or, or practice administrator that's trying to determine which way we're going to go for this new space we're going to build, whether it's a new medical office building for our campus or uh, perhaps a large group is wanting to build a new space for themselves, like we were talking about with North Atlanta Primary Care. Are there some particular questions that you would recommend that that they get themselves familiar with the answers to as they're trying to choose I would imagine it's not just a price bid when it comes to determining what would be a good design firm to work with on this kind of project. A good design firm really needs to listen, needs to communicate well. I think that relationships, developing that uh, good communication back and forth is key. If you don't feel that you have that communication um, with the person you're working with, then the project isn't quite as successful. In choosing a design firm, I think you need to um, talk to other people about who they used. If you're a doctor or professional that is looking to build out new space, uh, get references. And just like in our field, when we're working with contractors, we usually look at two or three. And sometimes we'll interview them for the specific project and make sure that they're the right fit. Mm -hmm. So you you actually can have, if, if I'm evaluating firms, I have the opportunity then to speak with and maybe even see some properties that they've previously worked on. And they'll, it, that's common for me to be able to check in with previous customers. Then. Yes. In fact, you can easily do it, either go online to the different firms, look online at their projects, uh, call them, ask them for references and call those references. Are there particular certifications or, or other types of expertise or proofs of it that that maybe would be good to ask about? I think that you need to ask a lot of questions in regards to the medical side of things. Medical terminology, medical equipment and products are very different than other parts of design that are more specific to medical. Having someone who understands those uh, that equipment, that uh, need, the spaces, the layouts is very key. So selecting a designer that has some of that experience or a lot of that experience will benefit you. As you've been doing this for a number of years, are there, you mentioned the fact that that needing to plan for demolition on my project, if I'm going to do a renovation, I'm sure there's a big temptation on a, a many uh, administrators' mind to try to cut cost and, and just renovate. And you mentioned the fact that the demolition side of things can add to that. Uh, are there other kind of, I don't know if gotcha is the right word, but places where you see people get off the track a little bit that cause themselves some headaches that maybe they could avoid if they thought about as they head into one of these types of projects? Looking at the existing spaces, I think one key thing that comes is when you're not looking at it from a design perspective, you tend to look at it that the spaces will work for you um, if it's a different practice and then you're taking over that practice space that left it. Um, It might not have been the type of practice that you were in. So I evaluate what type of practice that is versus your practice. Uh, Room sizes are a little bit different. You have to look at that. Plumbing um, is a huge cost factor in spaces. So you want to evaluate where the existing plumbing is to where the new plumbing is needed. Just recognizing, you know, if a wall is a foot, needs to be a foot bigger than what the existing room is to accommodate uh, your exam tables or the equipment you're trying to put in there. From a 
I perspective, you might think it's perfect, but from a design perspective and you're looking at every inch of that Mm -hmm. space to use it efficiently, then again, you have to kind of step back and and have that professional kind of be able to be your guide or evaluate it for you. Not having gone through this kind of a process, so I'm unfamiliar with the space, but when it comes to, uh, in this case, looking at other space, do you all get involved with trying to help select the ideal space for what they're trying to do? Or is it really more come to us when you've identified your space and then we'll try to help you best utilize it? I've actually done all of it. Um, I've done it where I've been given space and been, you know, this is our location. This is what we're going. This is what we have to work with to here's four different locations. Can you evaluate them and tell us if that is which one is the best location Um, because it would be the most cost effective? We wouldn't have to demo as much of it. We can reuse a lot of it. I don't think that that's more common today. A lot of times you go find the space and the location and then you... Yes, and then try to fit everything into that. <laughs> exactly. Because you love the location or you love the space that it's in. But that's, as you were talking about, it may or may not fit my workflow. Right, right. <laughs> and then sometimes you'll find it's it works out perfectly and other times you'll find it's a little bit more costly. How often are... I've been in some that it looks like maybe never, but how often do you see the typical healthcare organization doing renovations or, you know, turning, turning over the the interior look of their practices? Is there a kind of an industry average or do they kind of vary, I guess, wildly? It, it varies. A lot of times it's based on lease renewals and budgets. Um, Sometimes it's based on you started off and you had a budget so you couldn't put materials in that would hold up as well as you thought they might. So you need to come back in three years, five years. Uh, If you're putting basic materials in, you're only going to see them be able to hold up for three to five years with the amount of uh, flow of patients and just staff and people that are going through the spaces. If you Um, can hold out maybe five years, you know, some products you can get eight to 10 years out of. I think it all depends. You also have to look at what your aesthetic is. If you're going for, you know, something new and modern and different, that aesthetic may not hold up as long as a more transitional uh, aesthetic. Well, I'm always impressed by how fast our time goes by here. Before I get you back to your office, do you have any final thoughts either about the firm or that uh, a healthcare administrator might need to think about before they launch into a project of either new build or renovation? I think that they need to really prioritize what they want the practice to be, um, both from an aesthetic side, a budget side, and a holistic side side uh, patient approach and really write down all of that as best they can so that when they meet with a professional to do their space, that they have that information right at hand and can communicate it in, in a few words. Well, I certainly appreciate you making time to join us here today and share this information with our listeners out there about how they can go about getting an effective plan in place and design for their medical office space or ambulatory surgery center, whatever the healthcare delivery space that they would be happening to uh, either build a new or renovate. So 
Thanks so much. It's something we haven't covered at all. I, I, I think it's a great bit of information to be able to share. If you want more information, you can go to Collins Cooper Carusi. That's C-A-R-U-S-I, CollinsCooperCarusi.com. Get more information about the firm there. Um, of course, go over to mag.org. Check out all the previous episodes that we've gotten uh, here with uh, Top Docs Radio Show over time. Some great information out there for you healthcare folks. And if you've not done so already, on the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the Top Docs Radio Show podcast lives. And you, you can subscribe to us. And that way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to listen to when it's convenient for you. We hope you turn around and share this information, put it out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and other social media platforms you're a part of. Uh, you might just be sharing some information that one of the people that you care about really needed. You didn't even know it, and all you did was click share. So we'll say thank you very much to everybody that shares this information for us. And thanks for taking some time to uh, sit in with us here in the studio. It's been great to have a chance to meet you. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Well, everybody out there, all the folks over at Medical Association of Georgia, we appreciate you and all the folks that made us a part of your day. We look forward to catching up with you in a week. We'll see you then. 